You're listening to MLB.com Extras, brought to you by MLB.tv. It's baseball everywhere. Hey, everyone. Tim McMaster here, along with our MLB.com Red Sox reporter, Ian Brown. And, Ian, uh, we talked plenty about the trade deadline last week on the podcast, and we're going to do it a little bit again um, as far as what what Dave Dombrowski might do, because obviously this team's already made a lot of moves this season. And one of them was to bring in Drew Pomerantz. Obviously a disappointing first outing that we talked about last week against the Giants, a team that he had faced already a bunch of times this season. Much better on Monday night in a game that the the Red Sox eventually let get away a little bit late. But Pomerantz, other than I guess really one pitch to Jose Iglesias, he was real good. Six innings, allowed just four hits, a couple of earned runs. How much more encouraging was Monday night's start from Pomerantz? Yeah, no doubt. That was exactly what they wanted to see from uh, from Pomerantz was he had that uh, really good knuckle curveball that was kind of keeping the Tigers really off balance. And uh, you know, the only thing you didn't like to see is if you're going to lose on a home run, you'd probably rather not you know, a guy like Jose Iglesias. He could probably live with it if it's Miguel Cabrera or Victor Martinez or one of those other uh, dangerous guys they have in their lineup. That's not the guy you want to beat you. So just a mislocated fastball. Uh, I, I haven't really seen Jose Iglesias hit many balls with that kind of authority, but uh, in all in all, a real encouraging outing by Pomerantz. He probably could have gone another outing uh, inning, but John Farrell is, you know, wants to keep his workload in check and make sure uh, you know, he's never pitched. Uh, he's working toward a career high innings pitch, so they just want to be careful to make sure he doesn't go more than six uh, very often. Yeah, because that is one of the big concerns about Pomerantz is that that innings and and as far as the season goes. So good to get him out, although the bullpen wasn't great after him. Joe Kelly. Back with the team coming out of the bullpen, he gave up a run. Clay Buckles gave up a run. Um, not the encouraging signs you want to see from those two guys who this team would love to get a lift from one of those guys, right? Sometime this season, if those guys could jump in, it would really energize this group. Yeah, but you know what? With Joe Kelly, I mean, his first pitch was 100 miles an hour. <laughs> right. um, and then uh, you know the crowd kind of oohed and odd when they saw it on the scoreboard. And then um, he ends up giving up a triple on a pitch that was 100.5 miles an hour. Um, so he just, if he can improve the improve the location a little bit, uh, I think you could have really something to work with. And Joe Kelly working in the sixth, seventh, eighth inning, this could be a pretty dangerous guy. So you know, other than the fact that he gave up a leadoff triple, um, I thought it was an encouraging outing overall. Uh, as far as Buckholes, you know, the results haven't translated yet, but I think he's actually thrown the ball a little bit better the last couple times. I think what they're hoping now is. Um, he can pitch this well enough so they can maybe trade him for something here over this next week because he's just not a great fit on this roster right now. So uh, if maybe you can get something for him, you know, he might be a starting pitcher who could help uh, maybe a contender in the National League. Now, I wouldn't imagine that they could get much more than organizational depth from him, though, right? right. I mean, oh, I guess in a sense yeah. you'd save a little money on him as well. Yeah, I mean, similar to like when they traded Jake Peavy in 2014, uh, they got – uh, Heath Henry, uh, you know, and he's turned into a useful. There we are, two two years after that trade, and Henry's turned into a, you know, at least a useful piece for the Red Sox. He's in Pawtucket right now, but he's had, you know, he helped them them win some games this year. So maybe if you could even get somebody like that for Buckholes, uh, you know, you'd be doing pretty well. Last year, Shane Victorino, you offloaded him and got Josh Rutledge, and Josh, you know, did a nice job for the Red Sox this year before he got hurt. So, like you said, organizational depth. So you talk about guys they could, could get back in that sense of, of down the road. But this team is obviously playing in the here and now and, and are very much buyers all the way in. And when you're a buyer at the deadline and Dave Dombrowski's running the show, anything's possible, Ian. We've seen that over the years, and obviously it's already – 
We've seen Ziggler. We see Pomerantz. We've seen guys come over. Is there still a big splash out there? Talking to Jim Duquette a little bit this week, and he said he thought if the Red Sox were going to make another move this week, it's going to be a big one. Is that the way you see it, or could they still make a few small moves as well? Yeah, no, I can go either way. You know, Dombrowski is in a great position here and that, uh, you know, he's already made some pretty good moves here with Ziegler and with uh, with Drew Pomeranz and even with Aaron Hill. So, as Dave said yesterday, he doesn't feel a driving force uh, to make a trade here, and I think that he's really telling teams, hey, um, you're the one who has to make a trade here, not me. I've got a good team. So if you want me to make a trade with you, uh, you better give me a franchise player and maybe, uh, you know, see if we can make a deal here. So I think it's going to be interesting to see if they do make a move. But I think Dombrowski is probably in a great position right now um, as far as, you know, make make a move is there but not uh, not force things. I think a lot of people would feel uneasy if they traded Yohan Moncada, um, you know, no matter who they got back, unless it was maybe Chris Sale, maybe it's the one guy that you would trade Moncada for who's, who's out there on the trade market. You just brought me into what my next point was going to be, Ian, and that is you, you mentioned franchise player. And to me, when you look at this market this year, Sale's kind of the only one of those players out there. I mean, maybe we thought Chris Archer was a franchise player, but you got to doubt that a little bit when you see what he's done this year. Um, is there a scenario where Yohan Moncada could be included in a trade between now and Monday? Yeah, you know, I think with that contract Sale has, um, you know, you got to look at that. I mean, this is a franchise pitcher here, and you know th- those don't grow on trees. It would be very difficult to give up a Yohan Moncada, but this might be the one guy you do it for. And I think that the Red Sox could also sweeten that pot and throw Eduardo Rodriguez in that deal because I don't think that you want to have four lefties in your rotation. So at that point, if you can get Sale, you can have Price, Sale, and Pomerantz as your three lefties, and maybe, like I said, throw Eddie Rodriguez in, this, in that deal and see if you can make something happen. Uh, you know, it would be tough to do if training Mankata. You don't know how good he's going to be. I mean, this guy could be a superstar, but, uh, you know, Chris Sale already is a superstar. So I think this is going to be fascinating to watch. And, you know, I really don't have a sense of really how compelled the White Sox are to move Sale in the first place. So this will be uh, pretty interesting to see if something actually happens there. Yeah, and I would think the Red Sox, there's no way they would deal Mankata and Benintendi, but maybe no, one, no, they yeah. right, one or scenario, the other, who knows. The scenario I laid out with Mankata, maybe a Rodriguez, I think that, that might make a little more sense. Yeah, certainly. And and the thought of a three-game series where you could come with Chris Sale throwing high 90s in game one, then maybe you come back with Stephen Wright throwing a knuckleball and then go to David Price throwing yeah. back in the night. I mean, that, that would be a tough thing for other teams to handle. And certainly, you mentioned the contract. Uh, as far as sale goes, you'd have them this year, and then you have them locked in next year, and then two club options after that. And all yeah. those are team-friendly when you look at the current market. I think the highest year is that last year would be maybe $13.5 million. So absolutely bargain-type deal for a team if they could acquire Chris Sale. All right, right how absolutely. about – yeah, when you look at this team, uh, Ian, they've gotten a big lift offensively from the current American League Player of the Week. That's Hanley Ramirez. Here comes the power from Hanley, right? I mean, this is – it seems like by not doing it, Hanley has now made him himself, himself into the guy that he wanted to be a year ago when he talked about, um, or it seemed like he wanted to be a guy that was going to wanted to hit for power and bring that kind of production. Suddenly he's got that power, uh, five home runs, seven for 21 last week, 12 RBIs. Even though he slimmed down a little from last year, he's bringing the power, and, and he has been tremendous lately in that lineup. Yeah, I mean, this guy is a real difference maker when he's hitting. You know, you put him behind uh, David Ortiz, and suddenly teams can't work around 
McDavid. And then once Xander Bogarts, maybe once he gets hot again, you know, you again have a really dangerous lineup here. And I know they, they scuffled, uh, you know, last night to score runs, and maybe they scuffled at times of late, but this team's got a great offense. Probably the best in baseball, and Hanley Ramirez really kind of puts it over the top. And um, sort of a real, uh, you know, I think I wrote this in spring training, that he would be the X factor for this lineup because, you know, if he's clicking on top of Ortiz and all these young guys uh, and Dustin Pedroia, you've got a really effective lineup. Absolutely. they just got to get healthy in that pitching department. Kimbrell on his way back, I guess, Uihara. We wonder about that, how long he may, may be out, and then Betts back eventually. One more thing I wanted to touch on with you, though, Ian, is is Dan Shaughnessy getting the, the uh, J.G. Spinks Award heading into the Hall of Fame. And I know, obviously, uh, a beat writer with the Red Sox yourself, and Shaughnessy was for, for a long time. Um, just want to know if you had any thoughts on Shaughnessy, what he's meant to, to baseball coverage as far as the Boston area and really nationwide. Yeah, no, Dan Shaughnessy is great. Uh, he's been great to me personally. I was a young uh, co-op student slash uh, intern at the Boston Globe in the uh, early 1990s, and you know he was a great guy to talk to and, so, and sort of learn from, and um, he's really been good to me over the years. So I appreciate that on a personal note. Um, and on a less personal note, look, the guy has done a great job. He brings color to, to this uh this market, he's always, you know, he's always brought an edge to his writing, and he sort of had a, a good humor about it too. Um, and he, you know, he'll challenge, he'll challenge players, he'll challenge the team, and he won't be afraid to go back in the clubhouse the, the next day. And uh, absolutely accountable. Um, been reading him, you know, most of the my whole life, really. You know, as as far as since I've been reading um, newspapers and sports writing, and he, he's a guy that uh, I've always looked up to. We've been fortunate here in Boston to uh, grow up reading you know, Peter Gammons and a, a Dan Shaughnessy and a Bob Ryan, and there just aren't many markets like Boston, Tim, where you've seen some of the writers, uh, Will McDonough, Jack McMullen, on and on it goes, that have produced some of the, the writers like uh, Boston has. Yeah, you could probably put up a, that group against just about any any city in the country for sure. Now Ian Brown is part of the mix. Uh, uh, Shaughnessy also, of course, uh, coined the phrase curse the Bambino, and, and nobody will ever forget that as well. All right, great stuff, Ian. Thanks so much. This has been MLB.com. Extras are Red Sox edition. For Ian Brown, I'm Tim McMaster. Tune in again next week. MLB.tv Premium, the number one live streaming sports service, is celebrating 13 years. Watch every out-of-market regular season game live or on demand in true HD. Real-time highlights, live look-ins, pitch tracking widget, and more. MLB.tv Premium includes a free AtBat 15 subscription. Watch live baseball on over 400 mobile and connected devices. Watch at home, in the office, or on the go every night on every device. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Visit MLB.tv for details.